The Wings Over New Zealand show is brought to you in association with the Wings Over New Zealand Aviation Forum, New Zealand's number one aviation discussion forum online. There you'll find discussion on all aspects of New Zealand aviation, from history to current affairs and thousands of photos covering the Royal New Zealand Air Force, airlines, general aviation, warbird restorations, air show news, sport aviation, home building, gliding, aviation media and much, much more. You'll be in good company with other aviation enthusiasts, including pilots, engineers, warbird owners and restorers, historians and authors, modelers, aviation photographers and many others. Sign up to the Wings Over New Zealand community now. It's free and easy. Just Google Wings Over New Zealand and you'll find the forum. Hi everybody, Andrew Gormley, CEO of Classic Flyers here. If you're interested in classic aviation and you want to get up close and personal to old aircraft and see some of New Zealand's aviation history, come across the Classic Flyers, Jean Batten Drive, Mount Monganui, right on the edge of the airport. You can go for flights in old aeroplanes like Boeing Stearmans and Harvards. There's lots to see. Kids' parties happening here all the time. We have functions and function rooms, business meetings, and a great cafe with excellent coffee. If you'd like to be involved with Classic Flyers, we also have the volunteer groups who do all things from helping out with function work or just on the main hangar floor with visitors and guests or birthday parties, right through to engineers who get involved in restoring some of our wonderful old aircraft assets. Currently at the moment, we've got a Grumman Avenger being restored and a de Havilland single-seat FB5 Vampire. These things are all part of New Zealand's aviation history. It's a great place and it's in a good location. Come and have a visit. Check out the website on www.classicflyersnz.com Extended Hi, this is Peter Johnson from Aerospace Radio Station Extended. And we bring you some of Europe's best guests. He's, he's been something of, of an unsung hero of the American space program, outside those who are, have made it their business to become aficionados of it. News. <laughs> some people will call you mad. Some people will call you heroes. Uh, uh, and everyone else is probably somewhere in that spectrum. It's, uh, it's an amazing project to, to pull together from literally from scratch. And views. You've got to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and learn from that experience. And that's not an easy thing to do, Peter, learning from your own failure. So why not give us a listen if you want to hear about warbirds, aviation, and the aerospace industry? Come over and give us a visit. Aviation-extended.co.uk And remember, there's no E at the beginning of Extended. Extended. Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show. I'm your host, Dave Homewood. In this episode, I sit down with Lou Larson, son of the late Jim Larson, the well-known scrap dealer of Rockahear fame. Lou grew up at Rockahear amid the scrapyard, where there were hundreds of XRZF World War II aircraft lined up in rows being scrapped. And he tells me all about his memories of those days. We start off sitting at Lou's dining room table looking at photographs and articles from over the years. Um, now that photo there, I've seen a poor copy of it before, but that's actually uh, 
if, if I could, I'd love to yeah. find an original because you could probably make out some of the uh, markings and. Well, that, that's taken across the the the, the it's the, the aircraft are in two two areas. Yeah. And uh, the right now the um, you're looking you're looking east, and that is the the air the main aerodrome and control tower is there. Uh, sorry, the air. The terminal is terminal there now, yep. and the um, control tower is this side. Tiamutu's up there, Hamilton's over here, gotcha, yep. and uh, the main runway goes right through there like that. And um, this is old. This is big hangars over there that used to be. Uh, um, I don't know who you, who had those. That was that was James Aviation. James Aviation. Yeah. Sorry, you're right. Yep. James Aviation. Yep. Now that's the control tower there. That tall building. Oh, there. okay. And a guy I remember his name. You know, was Bill Puller. He was the control, uh, uh, the tower man. Yep. And uh, he used to look out onto the the main grass runway. But there was some of our aircraft there, but the bulk of them were over there. Now, did your dad own the land, or did he? No, leased, all leased off the council. Okay. Yep. And um, it was it was like a, one of those one dollar a year leases. Right. They said, look, you got twenty years. To get rid of all these planes. Okay, all mm. right. So, what are your earliest memories of? Uh, how old we? Well, I was. What happened was that, and uh, my, I'm a Williams, and my mother died when I was three. I'm 74 now, but okay. Um, and she, the Williams, uh, my dad was a chemist in Hamilton, mm -hmm. and they knew the Larsons as friends, I think. Yep. And anyway, the Larsons had. Uh, they said, well, look. Why don't we um, take Lou? And uh, I lived with them from when I was about four. Oh, okay. And I went to school at Ahalpo and Rukahir Primary School. Yep. And so the Larsons brought me up and I got adopted by them when I was about nine or ten. Right, okay. And this was my playground. This is, uh, <laughs> you could jump from wingtip to wingtip and, um, yeah. So so what year was that that you were oh, taken? Oh, uh, what's that? Forty-five. Um, that would be. I was born in forty-five. Okay, so, so five. It's about about forty-nine and fifty. So that's 90. really at the very beginning of when they yeah. first got this, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's right. So where? I mean, you won't really remember, I guess. But um, when the air force had it just before it was turned over, was it all quite kept tidy? And were they? I don't remember that part. No, but I, it, I think. It, it must have. It must have had some security on there, otherwise the place would have been ransacked. Yeah. Well, I've actually found an old article in a, uh, an old newspaper of um, people breaking in there and stealing. Oh, you'll see stuff. that article a bit yep. further on. Yep. Nineteen forty-six. That was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've I've talked to a couple of guys. Um, I think one of them's still alive in Cambridge. Who, at the end of the war, was uh, posted there, and he used to have to turn props over and um, do inspections yep. and stuff like that. Because obviously they, it was a storage unit at that stage, yeah. uh, rather than a graveyard, and so they had to keep everything in working order. And yeah, it was really interesting that I, I don't know how long they kept it. Did they keep doing that till forty nine? I don't well, know. Well, until Jim Larson took over yeah. in, in about about uh, forty eight. Forty eight. Like. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So realistically, a lot of the aircraft would have been flyable at the time. Of the oh yeah, they, yeah. they just turned the key off because yeah. we we had pet we had fuel all in the planes. Some of them had machine guns and ammunition belts in them. Um, medical first aid kits with morphine needles wow, and all yeah. that in it. Yeah. Those are all brand new tires those. So you can see all the paper yeah. around that. Yeah. That's off of Ventura. 
Wow. Amazing. Yes. Uh, those ones. Some of the, uh, like that's a, a, I think this is up Ohaki because the old man got some planes up. That's down Rooker here, but. I'm yeah, not that looks like a Ohaki. Yeah, Ohaki. Yeah, yeah. I've not seen these photos before. Are those your family photos? Yeah, or? well, a fellow called John Scullin. Oh. He's my I, cousin. I knew John, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's in, was from Napier. And um, there's a photo of John's amongst all these somewhere. Poor bugger's died yeah. of cancer, but he sent me a lot of these photos. Right. Electronically, right. yeah. Because he, he uh, lived there for a year, didn't he? Yeah, he that's right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, just a young lad. Well, he was might have been in his 20s or early 20s I at the time. I think he was 16 at the time. He's yeah, he, he school, might have been, so yeah. He was mad keen on planes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. He's a good guy. That's interesting. It's just loading and um, want to get chopped up. Yeah. So when they went to get chopped up, they'd take the wings off and just... Yeah, well, the way they chopped the wings off was mostly they just used an arc welder and okay. the, the welding rod just went down and sliced it because it was so hot, it just aluminium melts at about 600 degrees and it just sliced it off like a piece of butter. The wings fall off, the motor was unbolted Yep. and uh, they put the... The, the wings into the furnace and the fuselage and then the, the motor would go and last or at some stage. Wow. Now that's, I think that's the article that's in here. here. Oh, yeah. I just, I'll just double yeah, check. Yeah, it does look like it's the same one. Yep. At the end of World War II, yep. So that's the same thing. Yep. Now that's that one's taken at Asplund's garage, right. and what the, the I don't I don't remember I don't understand it. The aircraft that Aspen had had about twenty. Uh, I think that somehow he either um, I don't know whether he Jim Larson sold him twenty or he tended for and got twenty odd planes himself, but I, I don't recall that. But uh, that's, I, that's I think they would have landed them all down here. Yeah, and they've obviously towed them across to, to, to yeah, taken them up to Aspen's garage. Yeah. Um, that's something that I have wondered myself because I've never found out how did he get them. Did he tender for them? Because when you look at the the list of aircraft, there's not got Asplin as a, a successful tenderer. So no. he must have bought them separately from yeah from, from Jim. Your dad, I think yeah. he must have bought them from Jim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know um, at the, right at the end, the old man had quite a few aircraft left and he had to get out. So okay. he sold them to Aspirin Frank for about, I think he wanted £8,000 for them. I think Aspirin offered him about four or something. Okay. But. Wow. <laughs> and yeah. it's really only, that, that period was only just before museums started to really realise, hey, we need to grab some of this uh, stuff. I remember Gene Larson saying to him, look, why don't we keep one each of these? And the old man said at the time, he said, Look, he said, the world's just been through a war for the last bit you know, umpteen years. We don't want to, nobody wants to go live all this stuff again. And yeah. so, you know, and at the time, he was right. He had a guts full of war. But then also, in hindsight, Jean was right. You know, she said, well, what's the trouble? Why don't we just keep one? Well, the thing I don't understand is Auckland had the Auckland War Memorial Museum, which was specifically set up to remember what happened in mm. war and it was set up for the first world war but there's 
there's been nothing in New Zealand's history that's been bigger than the Second World War. It affected us so much. They could have walked up to the to the the government of the day and said, "Look, give us one each of those," yeah. and they would have said, "You take them. Exactly. They're yours." Exactly. Now I do remember a couple of young fellows coming down to to see Jim, and they did a deal, and Jim. I forget what the deal was, but basically I, in, I remember two brand new engines turning up in crates at Rukahia, and they just went into the melting pot because they just had they were brand new. Wow! And instead of spark plugs being screwed into the holes, they were a plastic thing filled with uh, filled with crystals, you know, that suck moisture out of the atmosphere. Right. Yep, yep. And they were screwed into the engine block to keep the moisture in there. Now then, Jim gave them either the fuselage of a plane or whatever bits they wanted and there was a swap done because all Jim was interested in was making aluminium ingots. Because uh, I can tell you what that was is that would have been the Aviation Historical Society of New Zealand Auckland branch they somehow acquired I think fairly cheaply uh, a wreck of a P-40 that someone else had in Auckland he got it from somewhere mm. I, I don't know whether he got it from license or not I've, I have to check that but it was a really bad wreck. Now they they decided they wanted to get one. They were only young too. They were only yeah, like they were young youngsters. Brothers. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was a there was a small group of them, but um, two of them were the main yeah, ones who did this. Yeah. And and they um, they decided they wanted to save an aircraft, and so what they did is a deal to swap that wreck, which was just good for the melting pot, for one that was better. Okay, that and might that, have been the deal. And, that's it. And, and, and I remember these two motors floated into the thing somehow as well. And I right, got yeah, a bit yeah. vague to me. Yeah. Um, they must have picked those up somewhere else um, and and all part of the deal probably by weight rather than anything mm. if, if it was only about the aluminium cost. Yeah. And uh, that aircraft went up to, one of the guys was Peter Wheeler, who's actually a really good friend of mine, uh, went up to his parents' backyard for a while and then it went to Motat. And that aircraft... Um, then got taken out of Motat by Charles Darby, who was one of the guys that was that instigated it. Um, he restored it at Ardmore, and it's now at Masterton, and is the one that should be flying. But Masterton is actually not flying at the moment. But um, the, so that's NZ three double oh nine, and that's the one that would be well, that right, deal done. Yeah. I can guarantee it because those planes were, you know, the, the old man. These young fellow had a choice of here's all these planes sitting here were not a dent in them, right? You know? Right. So they wouldn't have the old man. They wouldn't have bothered with a wrecked plane no. from from Jim Larson. The, no. the deal would have been, hey, we want a good one, you know. Yeah. And uh, it would never no skin off his nose to swap, as I say. The the a lot of the weight in those um, motors was the the crankshafts all steel, of course, you know. Yeah. But the, a lot of aluminium in there. But uh, he would have done some deal and been a little bit philanthropic about the whole thing, I suppose. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. So so they took the crankshafts out? No, they? no, what have you, stick them in the, in the furnace and set the temperature, the aluminium melts and runs out the hole, yep. the steel doesn't melt, you turn the furnace off, let it cool down and with a winch you pick up the crankshaft out of the, the furnace. So it's all the steel is unmelted. Okay, okay. And you put that in, you've got s s steel crankshafts here, Aluminium ingots there. Wow. Now that's Gene Larson. That's uh, there's another photo of Gene and Jim a bit further on. But so th this is Jim's wife, is it? Yeah, Jim. Okay. Yeah, yep. yeah. So yep. that was just one of our own photos. Yep. Okay. 
Oh, that's just a, don't know what that don't know what that's doing in there. <laughs> just a bit of paper. That's her again. Oh, yep. These are the. This is the email from John Scullin, and this is some of the. Oh, the uh, photographs. The photographs, yeah. Okay. But I've written on most of the uh, photographs anyway. He sent me a few photos, but I, I don't think I got that many from him, so I might just copy that. Because he had his own one, his own P40. Who did? <coughs> John, uh, John Scullin did. He told me that. Did he? He got he, one, did he? He told me that he was given one by Jim. Mm -hmm. while he was living there and was told you know you can do what you want with it and so mm -hmm. he picked the best one he, he could yeah. find yeah. and him and his two schoolmates um, tinkered with it in the afternoons after school oh, for a long, long time and they got it running oh yeah he scared the death out of people with it yeah. <laughs> yeah. you might even see a photo of, of, oh really of that okay plane. and he said he he stupidly when um, Jim and Jean had gone away somewhere for the afternoon, he, he saw across the way that the Aero Club was having an event, so he decided he was going to taxi it over there. Yeah, I think he did. And then, and then he realised that once he got it taxied, he didn't know how to stop it. And and a uh, one of the pilots there was an XP40 pilot and jumped up on the wing and helped him stop it. And <laughs> when when Jim got home, he saw it was sitting over there at the, at the Aero Club, <laughs> and so all hell was to pay. And that aircraft then went and the, was next in the smelter, and he lost it. Oh and, no! And he always always regretted that. So. <laughs> now that's the um, oh, wow. the, 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 furnace, the furnace itself was where my hand is yep. and then there was a, a rigmarole of rams and things that the liquid would go out into the, into a mould yep. a brick like a thing this big yep. and they, the ingots weighed about 14 pound each and then go around and then I'd just stack them up in the corner but this device was there's the moulds that yep. the ingots went into and this device would tip tip them out and what have you. Okay. It was like a big Meccano set, but right. a fellow called Jack Kay, he uh, he was a bit of a whiz kid on tinkering and making things. Okay. And is that engine there just waiting to go into the yep. smelter? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Jack Kay's mentioned in, I think, one of these articles here. Oh, and I'll show you some photos later on. Yeah, yeah. So, um, there must have been a range of different kinds of alloys and stuff involved. Did it? Did it not no, matter? No. Well, well, it wasn't as well. Aluminium came out, but in 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 there was things like antimony, antimony, lead, and all sorts of other things. Yeah. But at the time, aluminium was a light product, and uh, they used it in agitator washing machines, uh, lawnmower bodies, and it was just under the heading was just called aluminium right. but by today's standards it, it wouldn't meet any aeronautical standard right. for uh, ductility and yeah. all that yeah. sort of stuff yeah. it'd have to be re-rejigged you know yeah. now there, there was a, a whole lot of baloney written about and I, I glanced through this thing there was some myths and legends about stuff being buried and you know, but the, the, the inference was that crates of perfectly good aircraft were, were buried and that's not true I, I never saw any of that some of the stuff at towards the end when Jim Larson had to get out he just bulldozed it into holes in the ground and just uh, put a bulldozer over it wow. and that was he was just burying rubbish what yeah. he thought was rubbish yeah. you see but there was out of it come all I've had people ring me up and say oh where are these aircraft uh, thinking there's crates of valuable aeroplanes out there. That ain't true. Jim would have melted them down. Yeah. And you had to make a buck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now that's uh, about the vandalised aircraft. Oh, yes. Yep. Out of the Herald, yeah. 1946, you see. 
Now they had um, auctions there too. Was that before Jim took over? There, there were auctions I, that people would go and buy bits and pieces. I don't. Know, well, it could have well have been, uh, but I would have thought that the government of the day wouldn't have mucked around. They would have just said, "Look, there's all these aircraft. Just mm. let's turn it into money and walk away from it all." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, a house that was um, the, right beside the furnace house. Was literally okay. fifty yards from there. Okay. Uh, the three-bedroom house was only meant to, like a glorified chicken coop, really. It was pretty basic, you know. Yeah. It's Jean, and that's uh, a lot of the junk on there. Might, there might be, there's a better photo with the ingots on the back. It's yeah. 1947, so yeah. he's already melting stuff down there. The furnace house is there, and all the uh, hydraulic rams and things we could sell to farmers was kept here. So he was already there before the aircraft got sold to him in '48. Well, that's where we might be a little bit. We might we might have things a bit wrong. He, I don't. I think maybe Feeney had, had even do, might have done a bit of work on the the date of the sale. But anyway, the, the date on the photo. So yeah, it is. But that it might is. not be. No, don't, I don't know. That's Jim Larson's truck, Rooker Hill Salvage Company, yep. Noel Fargo. Yep. Well, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure it was '48 that they were sold off. But I know they were talking for a long time. I think it's the like. Looking through articles in the online papers, they started talking about how they were going to sell it off in about 46, but I think it was actually... I think you'd be right. I mean, they'd get rid of them, you know. Yeah, I, I wonder if he got in there quick, set something up, and then bought the planes, because... Hey, he could well have done, he, yeah. He might have done a deal already that was, wasn't yep. on paper, if you know what I mean. So. Absolutely. Here's the furnace. the furnace house working with the smoke right. pouring out the window. And now it's, we're standing in the front yard of our house, and... Um, and the planes are all stored, stored out here. That's pretty much where the air terminal is now, roughly. Okay, yep. Roughly within 100, say, yards. Here's all the ingots stacked up in the back. Yep. They weighed uh, 14 pound each. Okay. Well. There were three houses on the property that... Uh, there's a furnace in the background. Yep. So, did other people live in those other houses? Yeah, yeah, people who like foremen and things like that. Oh, yeah. Were they prefab houses? No, no, they just um, a guy coming and about, just framed them up. And okay. Fibre light roof, fibre light walls, and yeah, cheap and nasty. And then, and then they would they take it away again at the yeah, end. Yeah, oh, they just put a bulldozer through. Oh, them. Yeah, yeah. There's no treated timber in those days. That's yeah. Gene and Jim. Oh, okay. He was uh, from Scandinavian descent. Okay. She's from Irish descent. She's from Napier. Okay. That's yep. where John Scullins. Uh, John okay. is the son of Jean's sister. Ah, right. That makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's the article a, um, in 2009. The Waikato Times come out and... Um, yeah, so that's just nothing that's not already in the stuff here. Okay, yeah. This is the better detail. Yeah, yeah. some of that I did off the hip, and I know got maybe got some of it not exactly matching, but right. near enough. Yeah, yeah. As it just repeats. Yeah, there's that Ohakia oh, yeah. thing again. Yeah. You probably could put one beside the other, and you probably could. Mm. Actually, yeah, they probably could. Uh, now this article, where did all that come from? This is John's website. 
okay. Hawke's Bay Aviation Heritage Site. So is it, I see it's still there, but it is, is, it, is yeah. it active? Or? I think so. I, I don't think they put as much on now as they used to, but there, there was a group of them doing it. It wasn't just John. Yeah. So. I opened it up occasionally, but I don't see much change to it. Yeah, yeah. I went there just recently too to have a look see if it was still there. Uh, so that's John's website again. Now the, 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 and, and I found a little mistake here. Now, member Dudley Payne took this photo of these P-40s at the back of Aspen's garage at Rukahir. That's not true. That's down at our place because there's one of the houses. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that, that, that's, that's at Jim Larson's place. Right, yeah. So what did Jim do before he became a aluminium smelter? Uh, he was, uh, he left school and he, he started life in the, um, um, Men's menswear trade, okay. you know, um, yep. suits and, yeah, yeah. and down. I think part, they all come from the men over two, and um, then uh, uh, this is a little bit vague, but I knew that he was into men's menswear, and he didn't own a business. I don't think he worked for people. Yeah. And then the next thing, he was a scrap metal dealer based in Palmerston, and he bought some planes in Palmerston. Okay. And uh, then there's big go was the tendering for the planes at Rooker here okay. but along the way he's also he bought um, um, he tended one a whole lot of tanks at Wairu oh, right. uh, about 80 Catalinas at um, up at Riverhead um, yep that helped him a bit yeah so well, that's right because they brought them down on the train didn't they and then dragged them across apparently um, I could have been a lot of them were just chopped up there and mm. yeah put on the rail and those was the best way yeah. uh, here we are jim larson also purchased and scrapped 80 catalina seaplanes at Fanuapai and 80 army tanks at wairu so um he was he was a bit of a a bit of a and then one of the things i remember he tended for a whole lot of oil um Tar used to be bought to New Zealand in 44-gallon drums, mm -hmm. and then they'd tip it out, heat it out, get it out, and there's thousands of these drums, so he tended for it and got it. My job in the school, I had a big hydraulic press, and we used to flatten them, Okay. and then put them on a train, and they went to Japan. And you know, one, of, one of the times a boat went through the tropics, and all the tar ran out of these drums into the bilge of the ship, oh, no. and made one hell of a mess. So oh. they tried to sue Jim Larson, but... Uh, luckily, we were dealing with a Japanese freighting company, of course. We just beat the hell out of them during the war, so no court wanted to listen to Japan whinging and moaning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> so that was it. But he was a bit of, a, he was a bit of an entrepreneur, old Jim, and he knew how to make a quid. But at one stage, he had uh, 24 staff working for him there. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. And um, they were... Uh, or just dismantling, they chopping the wings off them. And one one time, I remember an old guy called Mac McKenzie was. That's all I can tell you about him. But he he was pretty old. He was about near seventy. Yeah. And his job was to use this electric weld, arc welder, to slice the wings off. He was working away, and we heard this bloody big explosion. Like I was like, boom! We knew something exploded. Yeah. And apparently, Mac had cut through a fuel line, and it shot him. I reckon he'd sent about at least 30 foot in the air, the height of a telegraph pole, oh. and he landed back down inside all the wreckage of this aircraft. Oh, no. 
and and he only had scratches and bruises. Wow. He wasn't. All his hair was singed off with that blast of the heat. Yeah. But he, he just went carrying on working. <laughs> Tough old bugger. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, there's a rumor. Is it true that when the aircraft were bought, the the fuel was still in the wings, and that actually offset the cost of the purchase of the aircraft? That I don't recall that at all, because. Um, and we run all our the trucks and vehicles and tractors all run on avgas because we siphoned it out but yeah. they weren't full some were just totally empty okay. and there's an article in that 1940s that herald article about the vandalism yeah. of people going in and, and turning on uh, valves and cocks and fuel coming out but um there wasn't thousands and thousands of gallons no okay okay um and i've never heard jim and gene talk about um offsetting the fuel costs because right. some of the planes that probably flew them in the tank was half empty yeah and some be. of them would be three quarters some of them would be a bugger all in so there's yeah. a mixed bag there yeah yeah true. and i think the staff might have the gym employed 24 people so there's all sorts of pilfering went on you know oh, yeah. Yeah. but the rumors of uh, i never heard them say that oh that was offset this i never heard that yeah it might have been but i doubt it very much because they would have just flown them and turned the key off and that was it. Another thing that I have heard that people have said is quite a few pilots in the Pacific, uh, when they were told they were bringing their aircraft back, um, went to the PX store there and bought up a lot of tax-free um, cigarettes and perhaps other stuff. I don't know. Loaded it into this the, the aircraft and then never got a chance to yeah, well, to under, uh, you know take it out again. And th and they reckon, oh, that'll all be at Rooker here. But no, well, again, that. There could have been the I, 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 that thinking there's bulk fags around. I never heard that at all. No. There, no doubt, there's probably the odd aircraft with this, you know, pack, a few packets of fags and or mm. what have you. Yep. But most of the pilots sort of flying them and would have looked around the aircraft and got the binoculars or grab the fags and leave. You know, yep. Yep. some would probably got accidentally left there, but there was no treasure trove. Jim Larson didn't have a treasure trove of. You know, ten million cigarettes no. in the back of that. No, <laughs> no, I always wondered about that one. Because Jim and Gene were smokers, but <laughs> but but they always remember they smoked uh, capstan cigarettes. So okay. Yep. That proves the point. They weren't Marlboro or Camels or <laughs> yeah. American. Lucky strikes. Yeah. Lucky strike. Yeah. <laughs> so these are some of these rumours that you can hit me with them, but a mm. lot of them I look and wonder where did that come from exactly you know? yeah, yeah. You know, yeah yeah i mean it probably that could have been just one pilot that did that in the room as probably, well, yeah, probably i mean they're not stupid they would have you know did, done that and probably but he's hardly going to leave him in the plane you know he's going to land the plane and then get his mates to sneak out on the weekend grab him and head yeah, off exactly exactly yeah. but we used to have a lot of people come out in the weekend mainly mainly kids and that but they'd come and try and nick bits off the planes and we'd shoo them away okay. but i remember holiday yanks coming um Pilots, there was a group of not a whole lot, maybe 10, 10 of them turned yeah. up one day with their wives. And on the Corsair, they had a big emblem on the cow on the cowling of the motor, and it's a beautiful and done in enamel. Mm -hmm. um, what was the company? Was that the Pratt and Whitney? Pratt and Whitney, yeah. Yep. And they they asked the old man could they pop them off, and they'd make them and put a chain around their neck right. and wear these beautiful. They were really nice, you know, yeah. and they all sort of. They were just pilfered like no tomorrow, you know. Yeah, they're beautiful. I don't know. We should. We never bothered 
you're faced <laughs> with the stuff all the time. You just well, yeah, can't yeah. be bothered, you know. Yeah, yeah. So these guys came and asked permission, and I went and said, you help yourself. And um, one thing I, I wanted to set up in the house was the, the, the propeller of a P40, but it's too big. Couldn't fit it in the room. <laughs> right. You know, p polish up the blades and set it up in the spinner and everything on it. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to do that, and the old man said, not putting that bloody thing in the house. <laughs> and the old lady was the same, but I couldn't fit it in the room. <laughs> but I made the old man a bar. So he built a bar, but I set it all up, the... Um, uh, all the coloured lights on the plane had dimmers in it, and we had it all with um, all behind. It's all lit up with coloured lights from the aircraft. Okay. And the landing light, uh, man, you could it would a moth would fly towards it, and literally from here to that bench there, yep. uh, the moth would just go. <laughs> wow. With the heat, it just just dissolve it because <laughs> wow. they just they they like this, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And. Um, they were just too big to use for spotlighting in, and you, you couldn't run them because the current was so huge, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I, I guess um, there must have been a lot of usable stuff that could have been taken out of the aircraft, like wiring and batteries and all that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, but that's where Jim made his money, apart yeah. from the aluminium. He, he sold hydraulic rams to an outfit in Pocono called Belcherbilt Engineering, and they made forklifts for front-end loaders. You know, okay, yeah. You got a, got a farm tractor, fitted it with a couple of these hydraulic rams and put the forks out the front and Belcher built in Pocono made those and farmers found great use for those yeah, and then um, all the wheels and the big fat tyres were good across the peat country at Rukahir, yep. the swampy country so they become farm trailers. Yep. Miles, of, um, lots of pulleys, all sorts of um, pulleys that are really useful, uh, high quality stainless steel wire that operated the ailerons and all yep. that sort of stuff. Yep. All the toggle switches, they could use those. Um, interesting, off the course ears especially, the, um, a piece of metal on the, uh, uh, on the switchboard panel, um, we first looked at it, we thought it was a bit of aluminium, it was about oh, nearly an eighth of an inch thick, yep. and about, oh, about three inches square, yep. it was solid silver. Really? Yeah. What was that for? And that went, a lot of them went into the pot, got melted down. Well, we didn't know. Holy hell. Because Jim took off a lot of um, switches, you know, but after he had thousands of these toggle switches, and people would buy the odd one or two, but then he thought, well, don't, don't buggerise around taking those off, we'll just melt the whole joint down. Yeah. And then a yank came out one day, who was a bit of an expert on these things, and said, hang on, he took it out, and he said, yeah, that it had some test kit. Yep. He said, this is solid silver. Luckily, the price of silver in those days was not much different from lead. Right. It, it was an abundance around the world, so yeah. it wasn't a highly valued item. But okay. I hate to think how many ingots of silver went through the melting pot. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's really interesting. And then the, the, um, the medical kits were interesting. I'd, I'd never seen plastic as a child. And these, these boxes, they're about like a lunchbox. Yeah. And I took one to school and it had the red cross on it. But of course it was flexible, you couldn't break it. And I was going to primary school, every kid had a tin lunchbox. Yep. I had the plastic lunchbox. <laughs> I was the number one boy. And uh, you could jump on it, you couldn't break it. But of course inside these, not all aircraft had them, but they were like a mini uh, toothpaste tube 
and inside that tube was morphine oh, with a needle on the end of it. Yep. So they could just jab the guy, he could do it himself if yep. he was badly injured, and whack the morphine in. And um, Yeah, so there was just a hell of a lot of gear inside those planes that uh, I'm just trying to think out where you'd, oh, you'd find very pistols. Okay. Find a few of those. Um, didn't find any binoculars. There's some cam some cameras in the P40 wings, in okay. the, um, with, the with those landing legs with the legs fold up. Yeah. Uh, little uh, a glass thing about that big. With uh, you'll see them. if you look, have a look at some of the photos, yep. you might see them. But in behind it was a, I think it was um, it was eight millimeter or something movie cameras in those days. Okay. We never got any reels. Uh, yeah. And uh, I did see some of the cameras, but. Um, the there was very few of them. I think the, I can only remember a pile of about maybe a dozen. Yeah. Uh, never saw any film. Or oh, did I see? It? it was about oh about, about quite narrow. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but hey, the uh, of course when these planes were taking those photos, the government of the day would have taken it out and used it for finding it. You know. So. Yeah. Well, the, that would have been the gun camera. Um, yeah. things they, they would have only taken it out if the guns have been fired I guess something like that yeah, yeah. interesting um, did you get many um, RNZF veterans come to see their old planes over the years yeah yeah there were, there was a lot of them came through um, and the old man just to say to them well look you know go for it go wander around and do it the, there's some interesting gear like the uh, aircraft had these rubber fuel tanks that we used to call them self-sealing because mm -hmm. they were layers of rubber and canvas, rubber and canvas, many, many layers. And you were trying to get a bullet to go through it. We had we got 303s and had to go. And um, hell of a hard job, but of course a .5 would go roaring through it. Yeah. But um, they would, the rubber was so dense that it would just seal up again and it wouldn't leak. Okay. It wouldn't make up, leave a hole, yep. you know. Yep, yep. So we used to cut them out, cut, we used to them as cattle troughs and Cut, cut, get the tank and cut, cut the top out and fill it up with water. The cattle trough. <laughs> wow. The um, the uh, perspex domes on the, you know the on the turrets. On the, on the turrets yeah. where they were make tomato hothouse things. You right. Know? Yeah. 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 I've yeah. heard of that. I've heard also the yeah. the kitty hawk um, canopies became good cloches for yeah. gardens. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. They were they were good for that. Yeah. Um, I remember getting uh, a Corsair, I, I was only about nine or ten, I went playing around and I slid the canopy forward and it locked and it was a summer's day and I couldn't get out oh. I, and it was sealed and they found me, I'd gone unconscious in this thing wow. and um, they, they bucket of water and they got me around but I think apparently if I'd been left much longer they... Uh, I might have snuffed it, but yeah, it right. was completely sealed. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Remember a lot of Yanks. Uh, oh, sorry, was it? You no, know, the a Japanese turned up, about four or five of them, and they wanted to do a deal on. No, no, good girl. It was some Yanks turned up. Sorry, yep. and they wanted to buy the Corsair motors. Okay. And the old man had taken quite a few off, and he had them standing up in the paddock, and because uh, these were still in great condition you know yeah anyway they couldn't come to a deal because they had to freight them I got is what they were going to use them for back in the states but and they couldn't quite seal the deal and um, so the army melted them down but, uh, okay. 
Yeah, there was um, people also in the things like the uh, starter motors. They use them at great electric winches because they've got very high torque, you know. Mm -hmm. So electric winches for those. Um, I used to love watching the magnesium burn, the magnesium cowling on a course here. Yeah, yeah. Because when that burns, when magnesium burns, it's a bright white light, yeah. you know. It was interesting stuff, and all that. You think about the money that was there, and the original cost of it all. And yeah. Jim got it for about ten thousand pounds or something for the whole lot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think I wrote <laughs> it. It was in in that thing of Sweeney's, but um, New Zealand government put it up for tender, and my father Jim Larson purchased them for about ten thousand pounds. The deal included being gone in twenty years. It was a lend-lease situation, yes, and and that's all written up in in there. So yep. a lot better detail in here. Um, what else? Electrical wiring switches. Lot, all the bolts and nuts because they were high high stainless. Uh, sorry, high quality, high tensile thing. Yep. And farmers loved them. They could come down and Jim would sell them a a um, a, a, a box of uh, you could hardly carry it for like you know a couple of pounds, mm -hmm. and they'd use them on the farm for. All sorts of things, you know, because yep. there's no Bunnings in those days. You no, couldn't no. couldn't go into the nuts and bolts department. There was no such thing. Yeah. So farmers come out in their droves and bought those. Uh, yeah. What did Jim do during the war himself? He didn't go nothing. He he was for for I don't know what for what reason, but for some medical reason maybe, or yep. or some sometimes they you were doing something that was part of the war effort, mm, um, you yep. got dispensation, but no, he didn't. wasn't involved in any way. Okay. Did he have a sense of the history of those aircraft, or were they just objects? To, to him, just objects from turning into money, yeah. He had no deep love of them. Uh, like he, he couldn't bother taking photos. John Scullin was the guy who took the photos, yeah. and um, but uh, Jim, he was, uh, he was interested in turning into money and racehorses and uh, living a bit of the good life when he wanted to, you know. Yep. Yeah, he was the first guy in Hamilton to have a Daimler car. Okay. Yeah. He imported it from England. Yep. And uh, God knows what it cost in those days. Yeah. But he had two or three Daimlers. Okay. But uh, there's no agent, but he uh, he just wrote out a cheque and bought himself a flash car. Wow. By today's standards, you wouldn't wouldn't look twice at a Daimler. There's lots of better cars, but <laughs> in those days, it was all you. It was you could only get from the states or UK. Yes. Yes. Jack Aspen, he bought himself a big American tank. Oh, it was huge. Okay. Big V8 in it, but uh, some of a big Ford something or other. So Jack was getting around in that, and uh, Aspen, and then Jim was getting around in the Daimler. <laughs> so there was money in them there hills. Yeah, yeah. So w was your family and the Aspen family quite f friendly? Or no, no, they very nothing in common. Okay. Uh, at all, they they went. They weren't, they weren't enemies, they just weren't friends either. Yeah, yeah. Jack was had a, had a garage and he used to sell petrol. Yeah. And this was, the planes were a bit of a hobby and a side thing for him. Okay, yeah. And um, I went to school with his daughter Jocelyn and we went to the Rookahere Primary School, which was just below Jack Aspen's garage. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, part of, um, I, I said, uh, I, I put that one of these photos up on, on, at this talk I gave and I said, so what did Hamilton Airport look like in 1952? Because that's when the photo was taken. Because uh, uh, I said to people, you know what that is? And they looked at it. I haven't a clue. I said, well, that's the Hamilton Airport in 1952. <laughs> and they said, what's all those things? And then I told them what it was all about. Right. 
it's um, it's it's interesting. There were no other big graveyards of aircraft like that in New Zealand. There's only Rooker here. I mean, there were some small ones. There's pockets here and there. Yeah. Yeah, just like tiny amounts, but. Uh, I mean, that one had 450 aircraft, yeah. didn't it? And, and the Catalinas were 80. There was a yep. whole lot of them. Yep. Um, and that was the big, the, the two big graveyards. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and now they're just memories, really. This. And I, I uh, the only thing I ever I kept out of the whole thing was that was that photo of me with that bullet, that .5 Browning. Yep. And I used to make a little. I'd take the head of them off if I found a live one, put it in a vise. Give the detonator a whack, and that would go off with a four-inch nail, and then put it back together, polish it up, and then I'd get a guy to chrome them, right. and then I'd sell them as bottle openers, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. so and that's the only thing you kept out of the whole. I kept one of them out of the whole, all those oh, aircraft. Gosh. I did have a, a, a piston out of a Corsair, bloody big piston, yep. about yep. that big, yep. and I'd polished it all up, and uh, you know, had it like a big paperweight thing. God, I that gone somewhere now, but. It's like everything, you live with so much of that gear after a while. Like, I remember the old that had the, the out of the uh, the landing legs of the aircraft, yep. the hydraulic ram had a beautiful chrome piston that went up and down, you know? Yep. And the hollow would, to take them out, line them all up and make a, a wall of them inside the house. It look, would look magic. Yeah. And uh, the old man said, oh, just sell them for scraps, off they went. <laughs> So we had uh, all sorts of ideas, and people were ingenious, especially the farmers of the day. They could, uh, they'd come down and stuff they'd take away and make use of was just yeah. incredible. Yeah. Especially all the electric motors, switches, and um, yeah. I, I think most people these days just aren't innovative like that anymore. You, you no, know, they're not. You know. Uh, you know, you just even throwaway society now. But. Yeah, well, I, I'm, my kids are appalled at me that my kids are now late 40s nearly 50 but yeah. um i'll get something and uh, i'll tinker around and get it keep get it going again yeah. and uh, yeah. you know they said oh god dad it's only 20 bucks go and get another one because <laughs> yeah. i'm retired so i've got plenty of time to muck around <laughs> yeah it's so there, there are some myths and legends about the place and some of them are, are just i don't know who started them or they just grow on you know mm. but yep. things about bearing crates of aircrafts that's just not true they got some stuff got pushed over a bank and uh, crushed and buried only because Jim was under pressure to get off the property and yep. uh, they wanted to get on and build a, a new airport. Because they expanded it, didn't they? Yeah. 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 I, I have heard that um, he pushed the remains of some of the Venturas into a hole and bulldozed over it and flattened it. He, he might have done, but he, he could well have done, but... They would have been scrunched up by the machinery, and yeah. at least days that would have been just r rotted away under the oh, ground. Oh yeah, so yeah, 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 they, yeah. Earthworm they food. Yeah, it's just a shame we didn't keep one of each, and uh, yeah. But there it is. But yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. surprised it's so around the world. There's just not a lot of these things around now. No, no, and particularly the likes of the the Ventura and the Hudson. They're very, mm. very now. There's only one Hudson flying. There's no um, no Venturas flying. So oh. um, there's only you know, a small handful of museums that have Venturas. Um, we don't. We have one in New Zealand, and that's the one up at Motet, right. uh, which came from, uh, that was um, came from um, Nelson area. It was never at Rookie. Um 
because it was sold off from um, Woodburn. But um, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a couple of there's probably four Hudsons in New Zealand and museums and that, but they're really rare. There's only about ten in the world of mm. Hudsons, and they were quite an important aircraft during the war. Mm. Um, there's quite a few more P40s around, but of course, some of them they get the data plate and rebuild a new one. So yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, it is it is sad that more people didn't realise. You know, even into the 1960s, they could have gone. Well, let's keep a few, because there was still yeah. enough there to, to keep a few for museums. But yeah, just you know, it's like things in life. I I bought I was single, but I had a little bit of money and over you know Papama over Tauranga mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, I was went for a drive one day, and there was this um, Papama was just lupins and yep. I went to this local store there and the guy come out and uh, he said oh he said um, you're thinking of moving over here and I, from Hamilton I said no 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 I'm just driving around and he said oh, I've got a subdivision I've just built down here he said would you, would you like to buy a section I said no I'm not interested I'm interested in girls and drinking yeah. <laughs> and uh, he said well these sections he said they're underground power and just like you see today and he said I'm selling them for $800 a section I said, all right, I'll buy one. So bought the section. Well, anyway, a year later, the phone went. And this guy said, you don't know me. I'm from Wellington. I, I would like to offer you double what you paid for your section. Well, I thought I was the smartest cookie in the world. <laughs> yeah. You know, Bob Jones, eat your heart out, mate. <laughs> yeah. So I doubled my money. <laughs> Whoa, ho, you know, what a dork. <laughs> Yeah. Well, there you go. So that's the benefit of hindsight. Yeah, you know? it is. At the time, yeah, way to go. Yeah, exactly. and uh, nobody would have th thought this stuff. But there you go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's good that guys like you are, you know, keeping a bit of the stuff going. And are you a member of this organisation or? Um, yeah, I, I do get the Air Force News. They've changed the name to Air Force News now. So, so what's happening? Is anybody carrying it on, or are the old boys dying off? Or? Um. There's still a few of them around, um, you know. There's people my age and a bit older because I'm ex Air Force, so um, yeah, yep. There's still a few of them around, but it's not as strong as it used to be. As you say, like the wartime generation, they were the real strong yeah. association members, and yeah. most of them are gone now. Yeah. Um, well, the guy used to work for us, uh, uh, called Dave Jenkinson. He was um, uh, lived in a helper. He was. Like the old man's, um, uh, he was a storeman, but he was uh, um, uh, a religious guy. He was um, a Seventh-day Adventist, and Jim trusted him because with them, because a lot of cash flowing around. Yep. And uh, Jim didn't trust all the other buggers, but he trusted uh, Dave. And yep. um, Dave had a lot of interest in aircraft, especially on the radio side. He was a radio hand. Okay. And um, I'm just going back to the machine guns. Was that I do remember, was uh, one of the these, I think it was John Scullin, tipped up the, get the aircraft up this way and got the old compressed air on the guns and burst off a few rounds. Anyway, the police heard about this and uh, they came out and uh, said, right, you've got to take all the guns out of the wings. And they took them down to the Narrows Bridge and hoofed them in there. Right. Now, why they just didn't say, right, just... Um, We'll take them up and cut the barrels off and make them into scrap or yeah. you know, 
but some clever dick that said, no, no, we'll chuck them off the bridge at the Narrow Springs, so at the Narrow Bridge by the golf course there. Right. That little one-way bridge. Yeah, yep. So that's where a lot of the guns went. Wow. Uh, there are plenty of those, isn't there? Oh, point five Browning is a big, big bit of kit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, there was another question I was going to ask. What was it? Well, what, when, um, when the scrapyard had to close down because the airport wanted the land back, what did Jim do then? Where did he go? And he bought a farm in uh, in Edgecombe, a small dairy farm, mm -hmm. and and even in those days it was not about a hundred and ten acres, I suppose. It was the days of small farmers being economical yep. was dying, and I left home about uh, I was about seventeen at the time, and then I don't know what uh, Jim and Jean divorced about then. Okay. And then um, Jim moved back down the Manawatu way or Ashurst or somewhere, mm -hmm. and he remarried. Um, but I think he had squirrelled enough money away to sort of see him through to retirement. Okay. And, yep. and what have you? But uh, he was uh, Jim. I don't know why I bought a farm, because he wasn't a farmer, he, um, he, he, I just wasn't good with animals or, yeah. he wasn't, it wasn't his cup of tea, you know, he yeah. was yeah. the entrepreneur and uh, that was his bag of tricks. Okay. And when did he die? Look, I, I don't know, uh, uh, John Scullin, um, used to write to each other quite regular, John, and, uh, and he told me and I, I, I don't know, but... Um, uh, we, we, when they divorced, Jim and Jean, uh, because I was adopted, Jim didn't have any, any a great father interest in me. I was, I think Jean had them wanted wanted to adopt me because of the mothering things that ladies do. Yep. But uh, Jim was you know, very good to me and kind, and so was Jean. Was a, had some mental issues as she got older, yep. uh, but um, no, they. They uh, were an interesting couple. They um, they certainly knew how to, to make money. I remember uh, uh, going with Jean and Jim up to the Ohalpa Hotel, and uh, Jean had used to uh, her had, she used to like having a bet on a racehorse. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she she took a, um, a a double. I don't know nothing about betting a horse, but she had this double bet, and I think it cost her like a pound. Yep. You know. Anyway, for her bet. Anyway, she won eight thousand pounds. Holy hell! It was just huge. <laughs> anyway, I remember they were went across to the, the to the hotel and they were shouting people all the drinks and and the lady behind the bar, her name was Ruby McAnally. She, her and her husband owned the hotel, and she I don't think she liked Jean Larson because she said, "Oh, I suppose because you've won eight thousand pounds, you think you're smart." And, Jean Larson quickly said to her, um, well, if you're so smart, how come you're not rich? <laughs> <laughs> Typical woman, yeah. catty comment, you know. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know if there's anyone else who worked there uh, still around, or are they all gone? Yeah, I'm, I'm about it. Well, certainly all the staff. Dave Jenkinson died. He would have been good to talk to, Dave. He, I think he died oh, like 10 years ago. Um, he would have been excellent because he, he lived this stuff, you know, and he knew all of the people who come and bought and sold and whatever. 
Jim also went to, there's a lot of, at Tirapa, at the old Air Force Base, there was a lot of sale auctions there of, when you, you might be tendering for, um, let's say the whole lot of aircraft wheels and tyres, mm -hmm. but in that lot was a whole lot of rubber dinghies and things, and you had, you, had to, you might not want the rubber right, dinghy, right. but you had to take the lot, yeah. and quite often Jim would come home with uh, parachutes, rubber dinghies, and all sorts of stuff. But it's quite funny you know, that that was the the racing industry was just starting to take off there, so all the parachutes were made of silks, and he sold it to the racing industry for the jockeys for the jockeys, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they would just colour it up and yeah. stamp it with the colours and wow, interesting. So he was a smart cookie, yeah, and, yeah. and like rubber dinghies. I mean, nobody nobody knew what a rubber dinghy was. But you could whack a, a compressed air bottle on it, like a dive bottle, and bang, rubber dinghy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he, um, all that sort of stuff, he'd go and he'd, and he'd, he'd get this for a song, you know, because yeah. he had a bit of cash. So uh, he'd buy up these lots and flick them off and wheel and deal. And yeah, I remember opening up the, the glove box of the Daimler one day and it was just chock a block with money. I, I there was thousands of pounds in there. Wow. It was just you know, money from Africa. God. <laughs> he had a couple of to to do this deal. It was been quite. He well, didn't service itself, but he had a couple of silent partners. Called one was called name was Burgess, and the other was Mr. Walton. Okay. And uh, these guys, I think they were dodgy buggers, but uh, they furnished Jim with some money to make the tender bid. Mm -hmm. And after a couple of years, they they um, they wanted out and wanted their money back and, and plus whatever, yeah. and they were dabbling in the the horse racing in Australia, which was highly corrupt in those days. Yeah. And um, so it was all. I remember walking into the uh, lounge at home, and there was this money on the floor, bundles of this money, and there was thousands of it, you know, and there were suitcases of the stuff. Wow. And they they were counting it all out, and they put it into it. Each one had a suitcase, which was pretty big. Yeah. And they carried the suitcase out in the car, and never saw Walton and Burgess again. Wow. But there was some dodgy because they were evading tax and all sorts of yep. things, you know. Yep. And I think Jim was quietly aware of this, but didn't say much. And yep. so there was some shady stuff there, you know. In those days, the tax department weren't that adept at cottoning on to people, so yep. I shouldn't be belittling Jim behind his back, but <laughs> there you go. Actually, that's one thing that I was told once, and I wonder if you can confirm it, is that there was um, only a certain amount of metal that could be smelted in a year before the tax bracket went up and, and uh, that he had to pay on something, and so that's why it took 20 years. That's what, that's what someone not. told me, but I don't know if that no, we had we had a stock of aluminium ingots there, and, and the price fluctuated, you see, and a lot of it was exported, and a lot of it was used internally. Yep. The thirst for it internally, for um, lawnmower bodies, washing machine agitators, casting aluminium things, but it uh, was so much. But uh, no, New Zealand was we were. When you think think about it, we were into growing sheep and wool and butter and meat. We were exporting as hard as we could. Yeah. So anything we could flog off overseas, the government would support that. Right. There was no point in restricting it, you know. Yeah. Um, and if Jim Larson made a heap of money, well, the IRD taxed him on it, yeah. you know. So 
they wanted Jim to make money so they could get tax off him. So Yeah, know. yeah. I think that the rumour was that he didn't want to pay the higher tax, so he kept it kept back as much like up to yeah. the, up to the limit each year so that he didn't have yeah. to pay a higher tax. But I I I I, I couldn't see I never, one I can't verify that because I never heard them talk about mm. that, you know, because I'm a kid wandering around, I would have heard a lot of this stuff, yeah. and uh, I don't remember any of that, and I just remember Jim would wait, uh, people would ring up, so I need a tonne of aluminium, Jim, what's your price? And they'd want something, and Jim said, well, I've got the product, and you haven't, and you've got to pay my price. So he he would uh, play these, play the market, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, were, which was natural. Yeah. Um, then quite often you'd go over to the, the furnace house and all the ingots had gone. Uh, you know, somebody had, a mozzie or somebody had bought the lot. But, uh, I, I wonder if, no, I probably wouldn't have, but I was wondering if any of the, me the melted down ingots of um, aluminium from those aircraft ended up back in the aircraft they were building uh, at Rooker here. Uh, you know, come back as as aluminium sheets, but I I, I would say I would say doubtful because the they'd have to go through a metallurgically metallurgically test yeah. to see what lead antimony or whatever the products were in there, yeah, yeah. and they'd have to make up a concoction that met the standards of the aviation industry yeah, today, yeah. and maybe the aluminium industry then would. They just wanted, you know, it wouldn't be the standard of today. No. So, hey, some of it could be an aluminium. You can mix it and mingle it and do all sorts with it. It's mm -hmm. highly likely that some of that aluminium did come back to New Zealand, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, they were building the air tourers there from the 1960s, so I just wondered. Yeah. It might, it might have come back, who knows? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll never know, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, those frames and struts and things, but they would have had to be done to... The standard of the day, mm. and they'd be mixing and mingling, adding certain minerals and metals to it to make it stronger or whatever. Yeah. Were, were there any other interesting things that went on at the airport uh, that you remember at that time? <laughs> Silly things like um, the uh, we had cows on on, on our property. We used yeah. to milk them, and uh, in the winter time, Jean felt sorry for the cows, so she get big covers made for them, you know, so they uh, uh, keep the cows warm, yep. heavy frosts or whatever. Yep. Anyway, this particular day, the the control tower, at, um, it was a really foggy day, and one of our cows had got out and was um, uh, wandering around on the run, the fog was lifting, and a plane, a DC-3 from Air New Zealand couldn't land because of this cow. And I remember the phone going and they're ringing up the old man to get your bloody cow off the runway. And then this big megaphone from the control tower, and it's right on the side of the cover, uh, it, 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 the old man put Jim Larson, wrote his name on it, yeah. and it said, Well, Jim Larson, please get off the runway. Some of the staff were characters, they were um, a real mixed bag. Um, the old Jim was a trusting soul, he sent this uh, Maori fella in to uh, pick up the, the banking, you know, to pay the wages, because it was all paid by cash, yep. and this Maori fella didn't come back, and the old man thought, oh Christ, you oh, know, yeah. 
surely hasn't skived off with the money. Anyway, so he sent another fella in to find him, and they found him was at the Frankton pub. But he hadn't touched the the, the, the banking money was for 22 star. It was all in the cab of the truck. Yeah. But he'd seen one of his cousins, and they decided to go and have a beer, but right. have another one and another <laughs> yeah. one. So uh, but they got the money, but the, the guy was kind of drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Really, really. But 24 staff, it was in, you know, it was quite a, a big venture of the. Yeah. Well, there's not many factories and foundries around in the Waikato. There lots of small businesses, but. I, I was astounded when you said there's that many people. Was. Well, 24 plus the foreman, and um, we'd, like, we'd, we'd employed just about an electrician was there full time, and there's always a plumber doing something, so. Okay. It supported a lot, quite a little bit of local industry. Yeah. That's brilliant. It really is interesting. Mm. What What was your favourite type of aircraft? The Corsair, Kitty Hawk, Hudson, Ventura. Did you have a favourite to play with or play in? Yeah, I think I was impressed by the Corsair because it had uh, eighteen-cylinder radial, and I thought, man, that was cranking out some horsepower, you know, because it was a heavy aircraft. You know, they they had big lead weights in the tail of it to uh, help balance the and aircraft and I like the way the engine started with a like a big shotgun shell yeah, yeah true to force compressed air through a turbine yep that impressed me a lot um, yeah just the sheer power of a, a motor that so I've never heard one running <coughs> but I, I heard a kitty hawk running yep uh, and they had plenty of grunt yeah definitely um, yeah the, the course here was just big and brutal you know it was ugly but I could see that <coughs> it had um, to try and knock that out of the sky, you'd have to hit it with something reasonably hard. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like the the idea of the fold-up wings and yeah, yeah. Poor old P40. It looked pretty. Think bloody hell, pretty flimsy thing and bugger all protection. Well, no protection for the pilot really. Yeah. It had a bit of a steel plate behind his. Yeah. See, but oh, good grief. Token gesture, really. Yeah, mind you, they were quite tough aircraft. They're, they're deceptively tough. There's a few of them got back um, with big holes in the wings, and uh, one of them with half the tail gone off it, and mm. it still got back. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's just the Kiwi ones. I don't know about American ones, probably too. But yeah, interesting, very interesting. Well, thank you very much for this. I really appreciate you taking yeah. the time. I'll have a go through my computer there and yeah. see what I can. I'll send you anything I've got, and you can just delete what you can't be okay. bothered with. That's fantastic. Thank you very much, Luke. You're welcome. That was the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood.